You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So Christmas time is in full swing, so that makes me think, Shannon, is sex an appropriate gift for your spouse for Christmas? <laughs> it's according to, to what kind of sex it is. <laughs> there you go. I hadn't even I, thought I would, of that route. I, I would be, I mean, if it's just the same old, same old, you know, what's, what's special about the same old sex on Christmas Day? <laughs> but if it's special sex for a special day, I, I, I would be totally down with Greg giving me that in my oh. stocking. <laughs> <laughs> and anywhere else that he may be interested. This is Sexy Marriage Radio. <laughs> We're glad you joined us, Dr. Corian and Shannon Etheridge. And if you've got something you want to let us know that's going on in your world, we love hearing from our listeners. So you can send us something at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes and give us any kind of comments or feedback. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review because that helps us climb the charts in the sexuality category. And our goal is number one. And we got a ways to go, but I think we can do it. So with your help, but so I brought it up, Shannon, of of you know, sex for Christmas as as a present, because I've I've done some posts on that in the past on simple marriage, and and it's kind of it's funny because, you know, it's I've heard from readers and listeners of the show that have talked about, you know, well there's certain things that'll happen on my birthday, and there's certain things that may happen Christmas. And I'm assuming we're talking oral sex here because that's kind of the maybe Father's kind of goes, Day, yeah, or that Mother's kind of, that Day. That kind of goes away. That okay, I'll do something special for you. But the one thing I think about when you when you think about the Christmas season, the the first thing I mean, I love this time of year because I love cold weather. But one of the things that I that kind of has some drawbacks is the kids are around all the time because school is not in session. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if one thing, if there's one thing out there that can can really get in the way of good sex, it's kids. I mean, let's let's just be honest. <laughs> they can they can knock on the door at the most inappropriate time, or walk in at the most <laughs> inopportune moment, <laughs> and you can just kind of throw out the whole idea of having sex in front of the tree. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You don't go there unless the tree is in the master bedroom. Hey, did you see that episode of Modern Family two years ago when their kids were preparing a special breakfast tray because it was their parents' anniversary? And they go and open the door and discover their parents in a wild and crazy moment in a very awkward position. And they drop the tray, they squeal, and they run, and they go into the kitchen, and they start washing their eyes out over the sink. And the youngest one, Luke, he says, I don't know what they were doing in there, but whatever it was, it looked like Dad was winning. one of the most classic scenes in sitcom history in my opinion dad was winning yeah that's that's a good one um but it is it is one of those things that it i don't know what when you say that because i have not watched modern family that's not something i've ever partaken in but i think of older show from uh tool home improvement you know tim the tool time yeah and they had a time where apparently they were loud one morning he and his he and his wife <laughs> and the kids were what were you doing you know especially the youngest 
and he was what was a somersault contest (laughs) and well who won and jill the wife i did and he looked at her said oh yeah you did (laughs) i think you won twice (laughs) just go along with that (laughs) yeah but if you think about it that that is one of those things that's it's tough because you have to navigate the world of kiddom to be appropriate You know, you can't just, it's not a free-for-all. You can't just have naked Saturdays uh, around the house. Uh, that, that just makes up for some really awkward moments. So Yeah, that save that for the empty nest season. <laughs> or the pre, yeah, or the pre-kids. <laughs> but, so I, I'm thinking, let's talk about how, how can you navigate this world and, and make it, you know, because I, I, there's some boundaries, there's some things you can kind of set in place that, that will increase the likelihood of, of good sex happening? Well, what I want our listeners to, to comprehend and to consider is that sex isn't just a gift, like we talked about at the opening of the show, to your spouse. That really, <laughs> sex with your spouse is actually a gift you're giving your kids. And maybe it's not in that moment that they consider it a gift, especially if they walk in and catch you and get all freaked out by that. I can see why they're washing their eyes out with soap and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is most kids will tell you that their parents don't have sex. Right. Um, Over and over, you know, kids will say, well, maybe my parents have had sex three times because I have a brother and a sister. (laughs) And when I say, well, what makes you think they don't have sex? They'll say they don't even kiss or hold hands or go out on dates. What makes you think they have sex? Really hard to argue against. But it's interesting how those kids often live with a great insecurity of do my mom and dad even love each other? And what is it going to be like when kids aren't at home anymore? And are, are we ever going to have to go through a divorce where we get, where we have to choose where we get, you know, pulled in this tug of war called divorce, right? But kids from homes who know that their parents have sex, that it's just common knowledge. Maybe they don't know every moment that they're having sex, but they know in general that, yes, my parents have sex because they kiss, they hold hands, they got on, they, it's, they snuggle on the couch. They are very affectionate toward each other. Those kids don't live with that constant undercurrent of insecurity of do my mom and dad love each other? And are they going to be able to love each other the rest of their lives? Right. You know, it, so I do. I think that it's a gift of security that yeah. you give your kids. Yeah. And it's a gift you give your, each other. I mean, you give yourself of just kind of sex is a barometer of the relationship. It's a marker of the relationship. So it's one of those that, you know, when, when the sex is going well and everything else is going well, it's it's really fun. It's it's easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And around the holidays, the stress level is going out the roof, especially for <laughs> women, I think, because, I mean, let's just be real. Well, and, you know, I can't say that. I mean, I was going to say, let's be real. We have to do the shopping and the in the uh, grocery shopping and the wrapping and the cleaning and the cooking. And all. But, you know, men are dangling by a 12 foot ladder, hanging Christmas lights. And you, know, <laughs> you guys are doing the, the harder stuff of putting the tree up and all that. So I can't say that women do more work around the holidays. But what I can say is that both husbands and wives work their butts off right. around the holidays. Right. Getting things ready for a really special holiday and making memories with the family and all that jazz. And so sex is a really great stress reliever. Yep. We have to remember that. Yep. That to say, you know what, we got to carve out 20 minutes tonight before we go to bed or put the kids in front of the Grinch that stole Christmas for a half an hour 
and go have some mom and dad time mm -hmm. behind closed doors. And, and maybe you just tell them, you know, we're wrapping presents. They don't have to know that you're really unwrapping <laughs> presents, presents <exactly. laughs> to each other. <laughs> but I would think that the holidays are actually a time that you can find an excuse that the kids need to give you guys some privacy. Yeah. Because, yeah, most of them are kind of on to the Santa thing, and they know that mom and dad are plotting and scheming and uh, pulling together some cool presents for Christmas morning and all that jazz. So um, take advantage of some of that behind closed doors time. Yeah, and and as you're, I mean, this it might be a little late, if if your Christmas shopping is not done by the time you're listening to this show, which you're way past it then because <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> you're in have, trouble. Yeah, yeah. You better you got, get online. Go right now. Um, <laughs> have something delivered to their email boxes. <laughs> but but one thing that my wife and I have done for the last several years now is we each take a day off work at one point between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's when we do all of our Christmas shopping and some other things. And but it, it's go. it's one of those we get the whole day together and we love it because we take the kids to school, we drop them off together, and then we just hit the ground running with whatever it is we need to get. And then the whole goal is be back in time to have everything wrapped and done and then done and then go get the kids. <laughs> so it's kind of kamikaze style at your house. Right. But, but we also don't go way overboard. We don't have a whole lot of people to buy for. And we've yeah. been kind of planning ahead and we have the list. So we know what we're going after. And so it, it, it but it's it worked for us. And it's also a day we both look forward to of just, it's a day for just us in the middle of the week. And so it's kind of a cool thing because then we get lunch together, you know, sometimes even breakfast together. We'll pick it up on the way. So it's just it's just a cool format that allows for a, a, a moment of time. And you can think of you could do that even during the, the whole Christmas season of just so where's moments like you can steal. Yeah, where's moments out. you can steal from each other. If you go see family, man, take advantage of grandma and grandpa. <laughs> and go yeah. go steal some moments. Built-in babysitters. Yeah, go steal some moments with your spouse. That hey, they got toys and grandma, you know, grandma, grandpa. You have, can you watch them? We're going to go out for a couple hours, and mm -hmm. I need to return some things or, or whatever. There just, you go. And just go. And, and you, know, you were saying that you guys do that in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We have a tendency more to relax and unwind. Once Christmas is over, that's, yeah. you know, like December 26th, that's the big exhale. Yes. Uh, it really, it actually starts more like around 2 p.m. Christmas Day. Once the <laughs> opening frenzy is over and everybody's been fed, it's pretty much, you know, Santa and Mrs. Claus's excuse to go take a power nap on Christmas Day. Yep. Um, so, yeah, w I can remember lots of Christmas days where we had those special snuggle moments. And also New Year's Eve is, um, my husband really likes to plan something special, for New Year's Eve, um, some sort of a getaway. Right. He's not a major social person, so he doesn't want to go to these parties where you're expected to mix and mingle around. He has mingle-itis in the worst way, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, but when he plans a retreat weekend where we go and you know to some sort of spa in the hill country for two days or something like I love bringing in the New Year that way because that's our relaxation time. That's our downtime just to get reconnected to just bask in the glow of the holidays, but also to look ahead at the coming year and, mm -hmm. you know, set kind of some new year's resolutions of what do we want to, what do we want our relationship to look like this year? What are the things that we're going to be focusing most of our time and energy and resources on? And how can we keep making consistent time for each other? 
And just like you know, when our kids were much younger, we always had that fish stick and tater tot night that I mentioned last time. Uh, as our kids have gotten older, we kind of have to sit back down with our calendars and recreate that those times and, and you know, carve out, okay, well, we're going to start doing date nights on Wednesday nights now because yeah. those are the nights that the kids are at youth group all evening. You know, we, we just have to keep moving it around and be flexible yeah. as our kids keep getting older and older. Yeah, and it's also, it brings about the uh, possibility of more intentionality. I mean, that's what you're kind of talking about, Shannon, is is let's let's make this an intentional part of our of our relationship together, of our day in and day out. And so you, you can look ahead, you can plan ahead. I mean, even with kids that are young, you can do that because, you know, I look at the world I live in right now with an eight and a six-year-old, and we got school, and we've got taekwondo, and sometimes soccer, and but we know when all of those are planned. <laughs> so... It's pretty so you easy. can plan around them. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to kind of, okay, here's here's some times where we could steal this time together or we could do this. And and that's the one that I, I've learned. Back to the idea of how can you diminish the likelihood of kids interrupting your sex life, you know, not just actual sex. Because obviously that doors have locks on them. That's one great way to interrupt the likelihood of disrupting the actual sex. Right. But to create the possibility of it, of them interrupting less of just your sex life, ha- find ways to steal moments. Like for us, we have very set and rigid, you could say, bedtime routines as far as with the kids, especially during school. There is a set time they are in bed, and we do not alter that unless there's something we're out doing as a family or something comes up. Yeah. But that gives us a couple hours every evening with just us. That's awesome. And that's enjoy that while you have it. I know. And when they get older, it changes. I completely understand <laughs> that. So I'm I'm milking it for all it's worth <laughs> at yep. this point. But you can at- you can still do that with with older kids where you know, you know, you maybe don't go to bed, but you you have some times where okay, now it switches to where they don't have a bedtime routine. You and your spouse have a bedtime routine. Exactly. And that is the season that we are in right now. Yeah, we've got a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. both in college, both still living at home. But, um, yeah, we go to bed before they do. They are up way past us. And, you know, we decided a long time ago that we're not going to strictly monitor their bedtimes when they're 18 and 21 <laughs> and they're adults. Um, but the thing that we have uh, laughed at is that if your children ever do walk in and catch you having sex accidentally, it will only happen once. They will learn to knock <laughs> after That's, that experience. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is very and, true. And yeah. Fortunately, when this happened with our son, we didn't even know it. We were completely oblivious. We just learned about it a couple of days later when Matthew fessed up. Uh-huh. And of, of course, you know, in my mind, I'm wanting to know, what did he see? Right. So I asked, was like, well, what did you walk in on? And he said, oh, don't worry, mom. All I saw was bag- was, was dad's big hairy butt. <laughs> but he will never walk into our bedroom unannounced. Again, I truly believe yeah. <laughs> that was the best dose of preventative medicine yeah. and so you know, if it does happen so what yeah. and, and i'm really speaking uh, you know more so probably to women right now i know that women are just totally freaked out by the notion that their children would ever suspect that they would do that sort of thing 
But isn't that a gift to instill in our kids mm -hmm. that, yeah, your mom and dad are sexual beings and you're a sexual being. And when you grow up, you'll become sexually active with your spouse, hopefully, and you'll enjoy it. It's not mm -hmm. something to be embarrassed or ashamed about. Um, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to flaunt it in front of you, but right. I'm not going to be mortified if you discover it or suspect it either. Um, I just think that that just a natural, healthy right. um you know, kind of a, a balance there of, you know, if, if they walk into your room and you, you perhaps don't have clothes on in that moment, obviously not with your spouse, but just by yourself. Uh, I heard Dr. Dobson say a long time ago, of, of course you're going to put clothes on. That It would feel very unnatural just to stand there bare naked in their presence, <laughs> but not to freak out and make them feel embarrassed or ashamed that right. they walked in on you right. in that moment, just very nonchalantly grab a robe or a towel or whatever and cover yourself, but don't communicate that our bodies right. and, and our sexuality are something that we should be embarrassed and ashamed about. Right. Yeah. Cause an immediate reaction would be get out, you know, or something. I can think of it from the guy's point of view. <laughs> it would be, wait, get out of here. You know, kind of a thing that's just a knee jerk reaction as opposed to, um, give us a moment, <laughs> you know, or hold on. And then, because that, that's one of the things I've, I've had some friends mention, and even my parents talked about this with us in the sense that my sister walked in on them when, when, when she was young. And it was, I was like, well, what'd you guys do? You know, and this, is, this was just like within the last year, I had this conversation with them about this. And he said, well, we just asked her to politely wait and, and leave, you know, and then we got up and went in and just talked to her and she said, well, honey, that's what what you know what's going on i don't remember exactly what they said but they were just real matter of fact right and then they just didn't they didn't probe for questions they kind of left it at well if there's questions look for opportune times that she can ask him not not that you constantly ask her you just look she'll bring it up if there's something else especially if they're young if there's something still going on they're unsure about a kid's going to bring that up so sure give them opportune times to do it and then yeah, just, and, and not getting on. flustered yep. is the key to keeping that line of communication open. Because if they see you get all flustered and freak out on them in that moment, they're never going to feel comfortable coming back and asking you anything. Right. That they're going to get the message loud and clear. This is a very, very taboo subject in our home. Right. Um, whenever I ask people in an audience to raise their hand if their parents didn't talk to them about sex at least three out of four, sometimes more like five out of six will raise their hands that right. there was no communication about sexuality, about healthy sexuality or anything. And maybe they heard just save, save it till marriage. And that was all that they heard, right. but there was right. never any open dialogue. They didn't feel the freedom to approach their parents to say, I have a question about this and how does this work? And, and what if I'm tempted to do this or nothing? There was just no dialogue there. And I yeah. think that that's very sad when parents miss out on the opportunity to kind of pass that baton to the next generation and open their minds to the fact that sexuality is a huge gift from God intended for your pleasure. Right. Um, but you know, there's, it also really breaks my heart when I hear stories from people who it wasn't just that their parents didn't talk to them. It's that their parents sent them a very, very damaging message. And I'll never forget one time Greg and I were doing a marriage retreat in Colorado. And there was a couple there where the struggle that they had was that he was very sexually inhibited. And he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to be at that retreat, especially. He just, this was not something that he was comfortable with. But his wife 
wanted to explore. She wanted to be adventurous. She was in her 40s, and she, and she was just really going through her sexual peak. And so as we sat down with this couple and asked them a little bit about you know, their history and when they first learned about sex, this man told us a story about how one night he was feeling really sick, and he went into his parents' bedroom to tell them that they needed, you know, that he needed some sort of medicine for his stomach or something, and his parents were having sex. Well, right. he didn't know. They were under the covers. He had no clue what they were doing, and he really didn't care at that age. But his dad jumped up, freaked out, grabbed his pants off the floor, slid his belt out of the belt loops, and just went wha just swinging, whacking at him Jeez. with the belt, saying, um, I'm going to punish you for your voyeurism. Well, this kid was like eight years old. <laughs> he didn't know what voyeurism was. Right. He had no interest. He was just sick. He needed help. Right. And so... You, know, you can imagine how that will so impact a child throughout their sexual development that this is not something that I should ever talk about. It's not something that I should ever even allow myself to feel. And so you can imagine how by the time he reached almost 50 years old, he was a very sexually constipated man, for right. lack of a better term. Right. Um, so, yeah, we really hold a lot of power over our kids to communicate healthy sexual messages by just – being very nonchalant about it. And of course your dad and I have sex or of course your mom and I have sex. And, and we hope you'll look forward to that when you're married too. And, and I, I just hope that the negative messages will be, will be kept at bay. Well, and then the other extreme is, is valid as well of being in a too sexually charged environment that, you know, parents that are too cross the line inappropriate with the, talk with, to talk to me about what that would look like. I haven't encountered that with my coaching clients, but I bet you have. Uh, yes, um, it would be one. It's, it's not that sex is occurring in the open. I mean, that's everybody pretty much has that idea that yeah, I'm not just going to have sex right here in front of my children. But there could be some groping that goes on. There could be some a, a little bit too much PDA that's going on. That's obvious what's going on. That the kids are like, oh, get a room. Well, not necessarily their reaction because kids are, you know, especially once they hit uh, teenage, that's a pretty common reaction of when you see mom and dad kiss. Gross, you know. Yeah, and, they're going to freak out over just a kiss. Right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily based on their reaction. It's just based on what's the message you're sending. I mean, I like the idea that you that you opened the show with, Shannon, of of being appropriate and affectionate with each other. Because that also applies to being affectionate with your children, you know. Yeah. Just, it's not just how you show affection with your with your spouse; it's how you show affection to your kids, because they model it, and and they do what you do. So, it's hugging each other, it's holding each other's hands, it's sitting by each other, it's it's. But you're talking about those as healthy forms of expression. You're you're not saying that. These would be crossing the line. No, no, no. I, but I'm just thinking of there. Uh, there are times, and I have come across that in my practice, where people have been raised in it's just a little bit too charged. It, it's too mm -hmm. sexually overt. Okay. And and it's talked about, and it's laughed about, and it's you know because you think about it. Whenever we're dealing with sticky subjects, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. it, we I, we either will be really shy and avoidant of it. Or we laugh at it because we yeah. don't because we don't feel comfortable with it. Exactly. And so both of those send a message. So it's it's about the idea of okay, this is this is me being more comfortable as me and and being appropriate as me with those that I'm around, and I and I'm going to be cognizant of the interactions that I have with my wife speak volumes 
to my children. I mean, case in point, I am a professed um, rear slapper of my wife. <laughs> okay. And when I walk by, it's just, it's very likely she's getting a pat on the butt. Yeah. You know, well, guess what my six-year-old does all the time to all three of us in the household now? She pops you on the butt. No, he does. Yeah, it's a boy. Oh, and that's okay. all he does. He'll come up behind me and just start wailing on my butt. And it's like, buddy. <laughs> butt bongo. Come on, man. But it's it's one of those, he's seen it. And now I'm realizing, wait, I've got to stop. You know, because mm. he's getting old. He's getting to the point now as a six-year-old boy, he does not need to be doing that to other people. Because I could just see him with a friend down the road, down the, you know, down the path a little ways of whap. Hey, wait, what'd you just do, son? You know, like yeah. that's not appropriate at all. And especially if it's a girl and, you know, so it's just that boundaries of learning when's, when is stuff appropriate, when is stuff inappropriate? And it's just be very clear. And that, that's the only thing I want to point out just because yeah. there, there are extremes on both ends with everything. Sure. And that's great that you put yourself on the chopping block and use yourself as an example of maybe something that crosses the line. I think that it's key to watch our children and see how they are feeling in a in a particular situation. And and yeah, as they grow up, maybe you have a little bit more liberty. But then again, right. as they grow up, maybe you feel like you need to kind of take a step back and have less liberty. Gauge it on your child. Yeah, I, I remember one time. Yeah, you know, our rule was that if you ever come knocking on our bedroom door and it's locked, that is not your signal to start pounding and say, what are y'all doing in there? Um, but that is your signal to go get a pop tart and a book and we'll be out in a little while. And, uh, one time my son was probably 11. He came, he knocked on the door and, and we said, we'll be out in a little while. And so a while later I come out and I'm dressed and I'm heading out to my car to get something. And Matthew starts walking along beside me and he is just grinning ear to ear. And I said, what is it? And he said, I know what y'all were doing in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he expected me to totally deny it. Right. And I just thought, you know what? He is old enough to right. know. And I just right. said, yeah. And mm -hmm. are you looking forward to doing that when you have a wife someday? And he just like stopped dead in his tracks. <laughs> he could not believe that I wasn't trying to hide it or deny it. Right. But he was also challenged with my question. And he said, well, yeah, but not yet. Right. And I thought that, how can I expect more of an appropriate response for my child that yes, I'm looking forward to that in marriage, but I'm so not ready for that type of activity yet. Right. That's exactly what we want our kid, where we want our kids to be. Yeah. And that also since, I mean, look at it from the other side, let's kind of wrap it up with this Shannon, because if you think of it, kids can take priority in lots of situations, you know, especially as an infant, a kid is going to take precedence over most things because they're yeah. just, that's required. They're high needs. But then as they go and grow, it's very common that they stay in that role and then everything else, including spouse, gets dropped lower down the ladder. So if you can take the time, you know, from listening to Sexy Marriage Radio, maybe this brings about some conversations that you can have with your spouse and you can start to say, okay, hey, I want to move our relationship further up. I want to make it more of a priority. I want to, so it's, it's, that, it's that intentionality that we talked about. It's that idea of, I want to make more time for us and, and let that be a model for our kids of how relationships are done and how, how they thrive, how they're great. And maybe what can we do to make that happen? So it's just kind of a, you start the conversation that is tailored to your situation 
Right. Between the two of you, you can probably come up with some ideas of, well, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? I mean, back to the example I gave of, of my son now following in my footsteps with the rear hitting. I, I just made the comment to my wife just the other day of, I'm going to stop, you know, just letting you know. And I'm going to start pouncing on him every time he does <laughs> and let him know it's not appropriate, son, because it's going to take a little while to retrain him. But yep. the best way to retrain him is for him to stop seeing it modeled. <laughs> so. Well, and, and telling him you can you can do that with your wife someday, right. but this is my wife. So right. this is something exclusive to us. Yes, and that's that's a good point. Thank you for that. I will add that one into the conversation. There you go. Happy I could help. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things that can get in the way of our sex lives. That That's just a reality. We can always put something in the way. Work, family, house housework money, stress, I mean, all this stuff. But taking the stance of, wait, I want to make this a priority of my life and of my relationship makes a huge shift in things. Yeah, and it really is a huge gift that you give your kids. When I think it about is. the fact that this is going to be my 21-year-old daughter's last Christmas at home, she's about to move away to work on her master's degree, I know that the last concern on her mind is, will my parents make it? For the long run That's or awesome. will their marriage fall apart when our kids are gone but when we build our marriages around doing stuff for the kids all the time and catering to to them the empty nest season can be really challenging yeah. but if you're constantly investing in your marriage first then that that will remain strong even long after the birds have flown the nest exactly well wherever you are and thank you for taking time out to listen to us i hope you enjoyed christmas. it and merry christmas to you and your family may blessings happen to you this next year and we thank you for being a part of our show so if you've got something you want to let us know send us an email feedback at sexymarriageradio.com and we will see you again soon have a great day